Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to uh, what is now the third episode. Week three. Week three of the JNA podcast. Hello, Jay. Hey. Hey, I'm Jay. Yeah, you are Jay. I'm how Jay. you getting on? Hey, how you been? Yeah, not bad, not bad. What's new with you? Ooh. Got a sortie this week. That's always fun. Oh, terrible. Hope I'm you a victim. Police. Yeah, mate, you weren't, you weren't much good, to be honest. Nah. Case got dropped. Yeah, police are terrible. Um, absolutely dreadful. Yeah, well. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm all right. Yeah. Well, looking forward to this week, though. <laughs> Plenty in store. Yeah. Talk me through it, then. What we got? What's first up? Uh, today's first podcast? up, mainly because we want to have a uh, whiskey off the bat, straight away. Mm. Any excuse. Uh, we're going to do whiskey segment first. Fantastic. We've got a new one today. I say new one. I've had this for a while, but it's... Uh, my special bottle which makes it sound <laughs> interesting special time it's it's um jay's special time yep and, and uh, then after that what we got um second is a brand new segment brand new to the podcast <laughs> i think we should also introduce first that we've got your, my, your dad g, my old man your yeah. old man g in the background and we should probably introduce it. And he's, he's not going to help with this production. He's not going to help with this He's just going to laugh the whole time. He's just going to laugh all of us. Especially um, with the whiskeys that we're about to feed him as well. Yeah, I know. Um, but uh, the, the brand new segment for this, uh, for this, for this week is uh, we've got a new, new thing. Simple Man Science, which is perfect for Virginia. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Simple Man Science. Um, so that's a brand new, a brand new segment. Um, which we're going to trial this week. So hopefully you like that. We've, we've put a lot of effort and production value into that. Well, Jay has. So I've, uh, yeah, I have. Um, and then what we do in Lost? It'll be, so we had, a, we had a Q&A on our Instagram and we had quite, mm. a, quite a bit of feedback, which was cool. Yeah, we did actually. We had loads yeah. of people come back. So well, thank you. Girls. Thank Sorry you for everybody that's, uh, that's sent an answer in. That's brilliant. So we'll be doing that at the end. And then a uh, secret. Yeah, lastly, it'll be the secret, secret segment. Whoa, Let's go see. then. So, it's time to hand you over to A. This is my favourite segment of the week. the favourite segment of the week. As he is the whiskey connoisseur, to hand over to A. Here you go. Tonight, we have got a 12-year-old, Royal Brackler. And uh, it's a Highland whiskey. Mm -hmm. And it's also from the North East. So, it's slightly less peaty. Mm. More, uh, less of the smoke, more of the fruitiness of uh, a bit more spice as well. Mm. Uh, should we give it a go? Yeah. Ooh. Oh yeah. Right, tell me what you're getting. You, you've, you've uncorked it. Like immediately, before, before I even put it up to my nose, I'm getting like a fruitiness. Mm-hmm. Almost like a fruit crumble or something. Mm. Like proper, proper juicy fruit, almost like baked. So, mm. Before you pour, this is a this is this is like my my favourite whiskey. It got bought for me as a present uh, a couple of years ago for Christmas, and um, it's it's quickly become one of my favourite whiskies. And because of that, I barely drink it. It sits within the sort of metal cylindrical tube yes. that it came in, and that's where it stays because I I only save it for special occasions. Anyway, probably, I hand you the first glass. Probably one of our more expensive. Oh yeah, without a doubt, expensive definitely one scotches. of the more expensive ones. Yeah, quite. Quite golden. It's almost mm. like it looks like apple apple juice, actually. Mm. So as um as G sitting here, I think we best hand the first one to him. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm. I'm actually, yeah, it's almost exactly like a it's like an apple crumble. Okay. But it's um, like we're getting like currants. Give it a sniff, G. So again, we've gone for the um, the whiskey granite stones. Jay. Thank you. Um, we're, we've gone for that rather than, than ice again. Yeah. Although with scotch, it's one of those things where scotch actually isn't that bad to mm. slightly dilute a bit water more. Water down, yeah. So, I mean, it's just one of those things we've made a decision because rather than keep repeatedly yeah. adding ice, and we are getting through quite fast. Ooh, so we don't have to worry too much about it melting. I mean, I'm instantly getting apple from that. Apple? Mm. Getting raisin, like currants. Yeah, I'm getting sultanas more than raisins, just because of the sweeter taste to it. <laughs> That's very refined. <laughs> well, look, I've done one week, and I'm an expert yeah. now. Connoisseur. G, what are you getting? He's licking his lips. He's li- he must be enjoying it. Smooth. Smooth and nice. Right. Now I've learned I've learned a, a bit of terminology from you last week. I'm going to swill it around the glass, this one. and I'm going to I'm going to look at its legs. You're going to check its legs I'm out. I'm going to check its legs out. That's it. So here we go. I'm about to check its legs. Not okay, well. Not. It's hard with this glass. So I don't yeah. think it's particularly clean, which does now. Not many legs. However, yeah, not very refined. Okay, so legs. so so a lack of legs. What does that tell you? Uh, I would say that it's. A more diluted whiskey. I'm not saying that. I'm getting a few now. It's hard to tell on this. Oh glass. yeah, no. If you look at the back of the glass, yeah, over the rim, you can see a lot more refined, and they're yeah. like perfectly spaced. Oh, they are okay. perfectly spaced. Okay. Nice. All right. Okay. Right. Right. Hang on. Hang. Look. I thought. Am I now the connoisseur? Yeah. I have to smell it with my mouth open. Oh, you not? Have you not just done that? Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm behind. Sorry. Well, you can drink it. Let, let me just try. No, crack on. Sultana's not raisins, yeah? Sultana's not raisins. Okay. I'm getting a bit of peel. Peel? A bit of peel. It's funny you say that. Would you say potentially... Do you know what, do you know what it smells like? And I'll be honest. It, it smells like it would. it's an old-fashioned. Ah, okay. Which is where I'm getting that citrus taste from. That Interesting. Peel. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to try, I'm going to try now. It's like definite it. immediate spice to that. Yeah, immediate spice, and it sits in the side, either side of my mouth. Mm. Um, hasn't got a lot of burn. I don't know about you, but it, the burn. I've got on, more burn. Have you? I've got more burn than I thought it'd be. Yeah. Definitely sits on the side of the mouth. Burning. Mm. Burning. Okay. No, I haven't got it straight down. You? I think. Wow. You are enjoying that. Fair play. It's nice. Mm. Yeah, it, I'd, I'd say a bit of spice. Mm. Definitely, like, distinctive of, of North East, where there's just not much peatiness at all. I was going to say it's substantially less peaty. Yeah, it's um, getting, like, apple, mm. peachy. You, like, again, the peel. The peel is really coming peel, through yeah. me, especially on the smell. The taste, not so much. On the smell, I'm definitely getting, yeah. I'm definitely getting the peel. Hmm. All in all, not bad. Yeah, yeah, I'm right happy up. with that. So, what what would you rate it? I don't know. I don't know what ratings you went for last time. Oh, what do we have last time? This uh, Suntory. We went for the Suntory, yeah, uh, Toki Toki whiskey, mm. which is is 
thought it was alright. Yeah, I thought it was a bit... Um, the legs weren't as good. Simple. I thought it was a bit simple. It was. What was I think? I can't remember what I thought of it last time. Well, you, you basically said because it's a lot of blends of Scottish whiskies, or it gets a lot mm. of there. Stol- it's basically a scotch. Yeah. But with something distinct about it, like... I don't know, it's got ginger in it. Oh, that was mm. right. It had ginger in yeah. it. Yeah. See, I didn't get I didn't get the ginger, but you had the ginger. I had the, the spice of ginger mm. at the end of it, but... Yeah, I kind of like that touch, but otherwise, it was, I thought it was quite a simple, simple yeah. whiskey. No, I think I have to agree with you. The, the Highland we had in the first episode, that was that a, was very nice. That's, yeah. that's quickly becoming our, our nicest, yeah. most tasty whiskey. So, yeah, all in all, I'd, I'd rate this quite high. It's still one of my still one of my absolute favourite whiskeys, mm. um, and I'll save it for special occasions. Thanks, eh? That's um, been really good. Thanks, mate. Oh, cheers, Jay. Jay, from what I understand, you have been doing a little bit of research uh, for our new segment called uh, Simple Man Science. Simple Man Science. Yes. Um, this is our new segment, something that we, uh, I think we probably wanted to do from the start, um, but it's come to fruition. Um, I've been doing a little bit of research, and this all stemmed from a conversation that we were having around the dinner table. Mm. Um and uh, without going into too much detail, this stemmed around the idea that trauma um, can be genetic. So the idea mm. that your grandparents, your parents can experience some trauma and that that will affect the genetics that pass down through into children and that the child will then have some kind of physiological impact from that trauma. Um, obviously, we had mixed opinions at the dinner table. Mm. It was an interesting conversation, though. It was very interesting. Yeah. Um, but in light of that, I thought it would make a really interesting topic. For Simple Man Science. For Simple Man Science. Um, SMS, for sure. Mm. Simple Man Science. Um, so I'm going to go into a little bit of the science. Now, some of this I've talked to you about, some of this I haven't. And I want your fresh reaction to some of the things I'm going to say, and uh, we'll have a little chat and discussion about it as we go. Are you happy with that? Yeah, I had just thought of something though. Oh, go on. I know I came up with the simple man science <coughs> um, yeah. uh, name. Mm. I had just thought, bloody dumb science matters, and you can shorten it to BDSM. Bloody dumb science matters, BDSM. I know, I've, I've, we missed a trick there. But anyway, that's okay. Simple, simple man science. We'll stick to simple also. man science, which all I can think of is um, what's that? What's what's that film? Uh, Tropic Thunder. What's simple think? Jack? You be my friend, or I like a simple man science. Anyway, sorry, we're getting away from the topic. This is a very serious topic. Yeah, of course. Anyway, back to this. This is smart stuff. Strap yourself in. This is a biology lesson okay. with J and A. Um, so, this focuses from uh, 
basically uh, the idea of epigenetics. Okay, so epigenetics, I'm completely hashing that probably, is the study of how your behaviours and environment um, cause changes that in your genes, basically, in the way that your genes work. So in your DNA, it can actually alter your DNA. Um, epigenetic changes are reversible, they say. Um, oh, there you go. Look, I've just completely contradicted myself. I'm reading here. They don't change your DNA sequence. Oh. Wow. We're off to well, a flying start. Well, anyway, we'll reverse that. Topic done. We'll do Moving epigenetics on. <laughs> and we'll reverse the changes. Anyway, okay, they don't edit your DNA. They change... Uh, they have genetic changes that come from whatever. Um, so, basically, we were talking about it in children, specifically. Um, however, I wanted to touch on a little bit of the, the research that's actually got into this, because it's very much in its infancy. Um, but I think, actually, it could be really interesting, because we obviously... I mean, we were discussing the idea that trauma comes from a trigger, a trigger that you experience within your own life. Yeah, how can it be an innate response from something mm. that your ancestors feared? I understand if it's something like, you know, your fight or flight sort of senses your your inhibitions to mm. to run or fight mm. or hide sort of thing. But to be something so exact that it's like, I don't know, a particular sound, not just a loud sound, but but perhaps like a the sound of like um, an attacker yeah. does something so repeatedly like. I don't know, make a certain noise or make a certain gesture mm. that puts you on edge. Mm. How can that be something that you've you've learnt from your grandparents? That's yeah. what I struggle to start. Yeah, and I think we've very much come into it with a very biological standpoint of it, yeah. i.e. how does that actually work, which is why I wanted to sort of delve into it. Um, yeah, you've we, you obviously done your research on this, Jay, or I've, I've sort of just... Mm. I, it's not the first time I've come across it. However, oh, okay. I, I do remember hearing something or other about it before, mm. but I sort of didn't didn't overly pay much attention to it. Like like most science <laughs> and intellectual things, to be quite honest. Um, yeah. Well, but it'd be interesting. I've sort of um, I've sort of done a bit of research from different places just to yeah. try and get a broad knowledge, and, I, and I've, I've written this, but I think I'll probably start with this. Is um, that a 15,000 word essay, Jay? 15,000 word essay, okay. yeah. I, I quit uni in my third year and this was part of my dissertation so I just copied and pasted it out of it. That's not true. That's not true, you're right. Um, so, basically the the idea of this, uh, it centres upon genetics and biology. Um, so, they're basically talking about, we all know that, let's, as an example, if a woman who is pregnant drinks heavily during her pregnancy, it can often cause fetal alcohol syndrome. Right. Which we get because it's the same with... Um, crack babies. Exactly. Crack babies. It's the exact same with that, that if the, mo if the mother is addicted to hard drugs whilst in pregnancy, that can lead to the child, when they're born, being addicted to that drug. And it's the same with alcohol, that the, the baby will come out and be dependent on alcohol. And fun. Oh, no. No, 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 not fun. Okay. Crack babies are not fun. They're very ill. Oh, are they? Very ill. When they're teenagers, I imagine they're quite... They're like the fun kid at school. Whatever. Crack is bad. Don't do crack. Don't do crack. Don't um, do drugs. So, the reason that it basically cause, causes this injury is because, obviously, having alcohol in your system causes stress on the mother's body, and any stresses to the mother during pregnancy is expressed onto the fetus. 
So it actually interferes directly with a normal develop developmental is what I meant to say program yeah. of the growing baby because we know it, it inhibits it the alcohol will inhibit it it inhibits normal human function as it is anyway okay so I, I kind of get that part mm. mother to child absolutely I kind of get that of course you know, but you, it's a physical thing yeah. it's a physical substance being put into the body yeah. which naturally because you're connected by the umbilical cord would naturally create dependence yeah okay an interesting argument they're saying is things like this. So I'll just read out what I've written here, which I can't remember where I got it from. I did quote the other places, but I don't know where this one's from. It says, um, no one can explain exactly how, say, changes in brain cells caused by abuse could be communicated to fully formed sperm or egg cells before conception. Oh. So the example is that after conception, when sperm meets the egg, a natural process of cleansing or rebooting occurs naturally. So as right. soon as, as, soon as they, they meet, that just happens naturally. It's like a clean slate. Exactly. Okay. So so as they come together, they strip away most chemical marks on either side of the genes. So the wow. egg will strip away a lot of the genes and the sperm will strip away a lot of the genes and basically reboot together, right, with the DNA that come from both. So as the fertilized egg grows and develops, basically a load of genetic like reshuffling occurs basically mm. uh, as they sort of as the cells that are in that basic egg and the basic sperm specialize into brain cells like skin cells um cells for your organs and things like this so they they're saying that how does trauma which comes from this epigenetics which is only in your genes which are stripped away as the egg and sperm meet how does the trauma survive all of that right so they're trying to work out if it can, and yeah. So well, the- this is the thing: if if genetic coding such as your eye color, your mm-hmm. hair color, your um, complexion, mm-hmm. if that can make it through, why can't stuff like I don't know taste buds make it through? Of course. Well, that's not quite what we're on, but no. But it, why it's- can't stuff like dependence on alcohol? that say if your your grandparent was an alcoholic and then while while they were they were pregnant they had yeah. your mother your father and then that's been carried through why couldn't that be done that i kind of get as well absolutely obviously it is is a questionable no one's really figured out why mm. that survives mm. but obviously there's a reason why why those things carry down yeah of course and I think, so the, so the biggest things at the moment, there has been a couple of big studies hmm. um, that sort of have touched on certain things. However, they are very much focused upon things that have happened in the past. So, um, for example, like survivors of the Holocaust or, or children of the Holocaust survivors. Um, they also did a study upon, I'll, I'll go into them in a little bit more detail in a sec, but they also go into, like in America, the Civil War. So grandchildren of the civil war oh, yeah, it'd be a good good point for the generations down exactly now, yeah. to see if that has any fear, anything in it but the majority of research into this epigenetics can trauma can things come down in the gene pool has been done on animals so mice they've been done on fleas worms things like this so whether that's transferable I don't know so maybe it's someone's you know of course intellectual value is my own mm. similar quite similar mm. to a mouse so they give exa- they give example here so you, you idiot so 
Let's give the example here of water fleas. So water fleas exposed to the scent of a predator have offspring with spiky armored heads. Oh. So as the mother is pregnant, they expose the water fleas to predators, not obviously to eat them, mm. but expose them to the sight of predators. And then during the pregnancy, their offspring develop spiky heads. And which, that has nothing to do with the fathers? No, that has nothing to do with the fathers whatsoever. It's purely that traumatic experience. Mice. Interesting. Uh, parents exposed to altered diets, low temperatures or toxins had descendants with behavioural changes and weight gain. Which is what I explained to you earlier, which we'll go into a little bit more, but they, they spoke about... So it's um, something you almost do with survival. Absolutely. Okay. All right, so, I, kind of, I kind of get this. The mother to mother to offspring, mm. that, yeah. But there's that's not what this is saying. This is almost no. saying it's the next level, right? Yeah, we're almost going... They're talking about it skipping generations or even covering across generations. So, for example... This could be a series of three different generations. Yes. So a great-grandparent could have been in the Civil War, and yet the great-grandchild may have altered genetics caused by that trauma back in the Civil War. And there's no chance that if someone's grandparent is just a confederate, Mm. they're just going to turn out a racist. Is that not how it works? I mean, that's definitely a part to play, but I'm not sure that's genetics. I think that's... um, socio-economic socio-economic uh, yeah. yeah yeah so <laughs> which is which is really funny because that rolls me on to the next point oh really yes the human studies face an obvious objection yeah. the trauma could have been transmitted through parenting mm. rather than epigenetics something that the uh, prisoner of war experience for example so the fact that they were prisoners of war veterans coming back to a country where they weren't supported and were poor. Yeah. Potentially with all, all sorts of issues yeah. with sound of mind, yeah. that yeah. sort of thing. Would that have had a detriment upon their children? Well, yes, of course. Essentially, yeah. Being mm. growing up in a household with someone who's not potentially of a, of particularly healthy mental health. Of course. And they're yeah. saying here that the psychological impact of growing up with a parent who starved as a child or survived the Holocaust could itself be enough to shape that child's behaviour. So actually, I'm sure the behaviour is covering up yeah. the maybe lack of change in genetics. So it's more, oh, here we go, more nurture than nature. Of course. That's where I think things mm-hmm. are coming in, that it's more, you know, the typical old saying of you are your, you, you become your parents, that sort of thing, mm. is where you, you grow up with something, you know, you, you copy your parents because you, you see that teaching style, you see that of parental style. And obviously your your offspring, your children are going to be more like you in, in terms of their survival techniques to see you make yeah. it to your age, to have children, to be able to reproduce. That's almost like, this is what I'm going to do. So it must it, it, the study must somehow have a some sort of control to say, mm. no, that's not what it is. Is it something like orphans? They or? do, but they say here, so the research is controlled for socioeconomic status and maternal health. But I'm, I'm not sure how they've done that, to be honest. No. Um, I really don't know how they would have done that. Um, I'll, I'll come to the orphanage one in a second, but there's a... Oh, okay, there is a sort of... Yeah, there is one, there is one to do with an orphanage. Yeah. I'll come to that in a second. That, that would almost be the easiest, because mm. then you cut yeah. parental control, yep. parental um, sort of misgivings onto the, onto the offspring. So they don't know where they've come from. They don't know that their grandparents exactly. are a survivor exactly. of the Holocaust. Or... Have, you, have you read this study? No. That's really interesting because that that's exactly what they delve into. Yeah. Is they talk about the fact of 
if the children don't know or don't understand that they're orphans, don't yeah. potentially have never known their parents, then how are they getting trauma from that? Well, it's a bit like most... So when, when it comes to clinical studies with children mm. in psychology, most have to be done. It's, it's best to take something when it comes to like... Of course. A, so, so many studies do it when you have a, a child that grows up in a, in a healthy household. Yeah. However, they're the almost twin they were orphaned with. Oh, yeah. It has gone to a different household where they are malnourished or they're yeah. beaten. Yeah. And they're, they're put in sort of well, that's exposed the to all control, these. Isn't yeah. Because they have almost the genetically the exact same person. Yeah. Um, but grow up with different. So it's almost the easiest type of control to say, here's one twin that grew up in one yes. environment. Here's another that grew up yeah. in a malnourished yeah. environment. Yeah. So you can't or potentially knew that in this case knew their their parents' suffrage, their grandparents sort of um what they were exposed to. Yeah. They obviously now have an insight of what's happened to them. Mm. They're preconditioned with what their parents' faults might be, yeah. what their their parents' ideology might be. Yeah. To say, Oh, we went through this, so we've got to have this outlook on this certain uh way of life, this yeah. this this type of person like and then I don't know to look at the other the other child yeah and, and see so they've had the same history okay. they've got the same DNA yeah. because they're, they're twins then they most often do it in identical twins so because of that realistically that's your perfect control mm. and I actually never see. I never thought I'd find this this actually quite this interesting I, I still think I've got quite a a fixed perspective of what is going on here however yeah Let's, let's try to get to the end of the segment without me interrupting again, yeah? No, 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 that, that's fine, mate. That's fine. I, I'm, it's interesting. I'm, I'm it's happy interesting. For, your, for your interjection, to be honest, because I think it's, it's important to get um, different sides of it. Obviously, I've only done a bit of research yeah. with, with certain yeah. studies. Jay but, is the researcher and, <laughs> and A is the uh, simple man. Yes, absolutely. There we go. Um, I'm, I, I'm the science at the end. He's simple man. I'm caveman. Caveman. Um, okay, so... This one was from the New York Times, um, where they commented on a couple of studies that had been done about how effective this was and, and how um, how how much you could actually put the causation to the genetics. Mm. Um, so I, I will just I'll just read what was on here. So it says yep. perhaps the best explanation for how such trauma marks could be attached to a father's sperm cells comes from Oliver Rando at the University of Massachusetts. So his studies also in mice have zeroed in on the epididymis, I'm gonna probably hash that, which is a tube near the testicles where sperm cells load before ejaculation, okay? Within that tube, they basically learn to swim over a period of a few days and their genes can be marked within that tube. So it's basically like a little a little kind of nursery for sperm cells, but where they are, um, where the genetics are started to be loaded onto them and where they're started to be loaded with information ready to to potentially fertilize an egg yeah, okay. within that tube. So the molecules that affect the changes appear to be small RNAs, which are fragments of genetic material that scientists are basically still learning about. Um, that tube produces small RNAs and then ships them to the sperm as they develop, suggesting that there exists a place that senses the dad's environmental conditions and can change those packages of RNAs delivered through the sperm and then subsequently to the baby. But that doctor doesn't make any further claims other than that. So no, he says obviously that's there is simply father to child. Exactly. There is a potential that the environmentals could be added as genes or as 
RNAs, which affect genes, into the sperm as they're in those tubes, learning to swim, growing, ready to go. Um, other researchers basically have attempted to fill in the gaps because that Dr. Rando, he basically leaves it quite open, which I think is a fair point sometimes in the science to do that. Um, and they're saying that once the RNA packages arrive at the epididymis, the hyp hypothesis goes that they uh, prompt a cascade of changes at conception that evade the stripping or rebooting process and the subsequent reshuffling during early development. So the thing that we were talking about earlier, that when the egg and the sperm meet, there's a complete reboot of genes. Potentially these RNAs that are delivered at the last minute as the sperm is growing can basically evade that reboot. Okay. So they potentially goes through. All right. Yeah. Thank you for doubling that one down. That one straight up my head. That's fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> so they, they're talking about... So it says... They're, they're quite critical. I mean, to be honest, the, the New York Times are quite critical about this. Um, the idea that basically we carry some biological trace of our ancestors' pain um, has obviously mm. a strong emotional appeal to most people and, and that can sometimes taint the science of it. Yeah, which is where I think my scepticism comes yes, along. which Whereas I get. I feel it's heavily emotionally backed. I understand oh, yeah. the again like I said at the start the fight or flight instinct I feel like that is very different to having very innate responses to very very specific oh, yeah. things yeah. such as um, so for instance uh, if we would say a grandchild of a victim of domestic violence yeah say every time I don't know something like the grandparent the grandfather walking into the room he was drunk perhaps he I don't know took his boots off or something like that and mm. it was a very particular sound that the boots made yeah that the boots made and then for that sound heard in 50 years time when mm. the grandchild is of it doesn't even need to be an age according to this apparently no, it so it needs to be, age, be no. a child they hear a sound of that the boots being removed mm. again this is a ridiculous example yep I don't feel like that's that's that doesn't no I don't think you can you can scar no. a sound onto genetic of course, material of course especially when you're you're as a fetus yeah growing in the, yeah, in no. the body uh, and and I think that's summed up quite nicely by this it's, it, where it says it, it resonates with the feelings that arise when one views in images of famine war or slavery and it seems to buttress psychodynamic narratives about trauma and how its legacy can reverberate through families and down the ages but for now the research in epigenetics fall well short of demonstrating that past human cruelties affect our physiological or physiolo physiology to speak. Two big science words for me. How it actually affects our physiology today, they don't know. But I think I agree with you. There's such a... I think it's a long stretch. Yeah, I agree. Um, but we were talking... I mean, we'll sort of finish off on the last sort of thing about... Because we specifically were talking about children earlier. Yeah. Okay. That I'll finish off on on the last sort of study that I looked at, which is a Yale University study, um, uh, which basically they talk about children who suffer abuse can do they have a greater chance of sort of you know medical illnesses later on in life or potential to even pass those on. Hmm. So. They're talking about that it may lie in, in genetics um, and epigenetics. So, let me find this bit in here. Um, 
I feel like we've, we've almost skipped over a stage. Mm. So when we're talking about genetics and things like that, there would have been a, I guess we've sort of skipped over the stage where we where we talk about, you know, what is passed on through genetics, whether just someone's IQ is passed on through genetics, whether that's a, a stage of nature or nurture. Mm. Um, obviously, there's things like someone's physical attributes, their, you know, their BM. I guess BMI is certainly one um, height. You know, all your, all your, yeah, all your, your, your chromosomes sort of genetically mm. modified. So whether it be your hair color, your eyes. Yeah. What was it that Jay was saying at the dinner table about that that study? Um, I can't remember what country it was in about the uh, the tribe that at different times, if when the offspring was born at a different time of the year, it affected their physiology. Oh yeah, so if it was if they were born within the grain uh, season, wasn't it? Yeah, grain season where they would be harvesting more grain, they'd be taller and thinner. Yeah. Whereas if they were born outside of grain season when they were more reliant protein on protein, based. they'd be shorter and stockier, which makes, again, makes sense. Of course. Um, but that's so interesting because, again, but again, that's, that's the same that we were talking about, the alcohol. You can, un- you, can, you can see that because it's a direct causation caused by... Nurture. And what is coming in through the mother's body yeah. and what is eventually obviously pass through the umbilical cord into the child yeah more grain fine makes a leaner child yeah more protein more stocky more muscular building things amino acids more things like this are going to make a stockier baby yeah which makes sense however i think we are continually led to believe that trauma is linked to a traumatic experience that Mm. one person has to experience within their life and that can be shared from somewhere else. I do believe that. So for example, if you were to explain to me a really traumatic experience and I don't know, for for whatever sake you got upset about that or yeah. um, you showed a certain emotion towards me, I do think I can take part of your trauma. And I do believe that I can take part of that. However, I don't think that that has a direct impact. I really don't. That's my personal opinion. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same point. I, f- I feel like it's, almost um some sort of new i want to say again woke some sort of woke yeah i don't get controversial that is controversial but um yeah i I don't particularly believe that it's Mm. factual i believe it's probably more nurture than it is nature Mm. more emotional rather than science Mm. not they can't overlap but of course they and and they do skeptic skeptic here I need another drink after that one, I think. Yeah. Um, wow, we went deep on that. I just thought it'd be really interesting to discuss that because um, we had a really good discussion about it yesterday. Um, and I think it just kind of opened a few doors, mm. a few avenues of research because it is really interesting that we are led to believe that trauma is from a traumatic experience that one person has to believe. Whereas actually there are research studies going into the fact that we actually may be able to, to get trauma from other family members and be passed down trauma and that have a physiological response on us so i do think that's really interesting yeah no doubt interesting sorry show another drink yeah let's have a whiskey and, and uh, uh, we'll go on to a slightly ooh. lighter topic i believe after uh yeah let's move on anyway one. simple man science this may well continue to be a uh 
an addition yeah. to the podcast. Let us know if you like it on Instagram or give us a message if you know us personally. Yeah. And um, we can think of more scientific yeah. topics to Tell go into. What shite we should talk about next Oof. week. Yeah. And we'll try and we'll try and put doctors in front of our names and um, continue from there. Anyway, mm. let's go on to the next one. I think for this um this next segment, I think we just wanted to slow everything down and just um give everyone the opportunity to sort of just get to that chilled space where we were yesterday. Hmm. Um and the day before. So me and um me and A went camping and um it was really nice. I think we both needed the reset. Yeah. We both got that opportunity. And um yeah, we took the landing, didn't we? Yeah, it's at the landy. We only went locally. Just uh, took our hammocks with us. And uh, the good thing about the landy, we've got these two sort of bars that come out the back of the landy. Yeah. Um, so we're able to string, you know, put our hammocks between that and and uh, backed it up to a tree, set the, set the tarp over the head of us. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just sort of slept under the stars. Yeah, and as you it would have been quite that, romantic if we weren't related, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. As you were doing that, I sort of got the fire ready. Yeah. Um, sort of last light was coming. I went and chopped some wood and got that all sort of ready. And mm. you just sat down with a couple of peers and I think it was just really, just really important, wasn't yeah. it? Just to sort of sit and... Complete, like, cleanse. Yeah, and it, and it was. It really felt like that. And I think we both, like I said again, it, we both really needed that. And I think it's so important. Especially mm. on the days you, you know you do get off from work, I think it's important to go and, and just relax and unwind mm. and switch off. It's, and it's the first time we've been camping since uh, pre-Christmas. Yeah, before now. Christmas. So I think we really needed it just to get just sat out in front mm. of. The, and we're lucky to have that space. Flames. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, sort of thank you to to those guys for letting us use it and um, just having the fire. It is, mm. and we had some nice music very much similar to what's in the back of this and it's an opportunity just to sort of just I, stop not I think. soon yeah completely yeah. nodded off in front yeah. of the fire it was lovely yeah, mate, you were so um, relaxed that you fell asleep and about half eleven yeah climbed yeah. into the hammock yeah and uh, I know I got I got a brilliant night's sleep to be fair yeah. I wasn't cold just, just had yeah. that little frost just to sort of like make you appreciate yeah being snuggled like tucked up in a hammock and you sleep like yeah. and that. it was just perfect and the sun bliss. came up at about 7am and you had that that dew yeah on the on the, the grass it was just and the sun just just shone through it was mm. it was it was it was really just special that, it was that warmth oh it yeah. was amazing it was special yeah and I think um, it's just what we both needed mm. just to unwind and yeah. agree and switch off segment eh Jay yes mate okay so I understand you put a little thing on our Instagram I did a Q&A it's the first one we've done isn't it 
Yeah, it's a little bit different to a uh, what I would call a regular Q&A. Um, and uh, Jess on our Instagram pointed this out. Um, a regular Q&A would mm. usually be somebody asking us a question and us answering it on the podcast. Oh, okay. So we've posed the question. We have. Okay. We've posed a question on our Insta. And what is that question? Can you remember? Oh, good question. Come on. What is is it? What is your favourite country and why? Yes, it is. That okay. is exactly yeah, why. I it was. Um, and I was actually surprised, I'll be honest. We actually got quite a lot of replies. Yeah. Um, so everybody, I hope you're happy that I'm just going to use your name in this, and I'm just going to just going to say your name. I'm like, are we going to have a lot of J's otherwise? Otherwise, we're going to have a lot of J's. We'll have some D's. We'll have some S's. I've never complained at a few D's. No, I know you've never complained at <laughs> a few D's. <laughs> um, but no, we're just going to go with with first names um, okay. of people and go from there. So I will start at just the bottom the bottom comment um, and work my way up. So okay. the first this is the first person to comment. Okay, so okay. first one comes from Susanna. Thank you, Susanna. Thank you, Susanna, for getting in touch. She said, Croatia. Oh. Yeah, which I think is a good choice. Susanna, Never been. Did, did you go to Dubrovnik by any chance? I heard Dubrovnik's rather nice. Famous for uh, Game of Thrones, of course. Oh, Dubrovnik. yeah. Yeah. In a, is, it La, is it Lansdowne? No. Uh, La, oh, yeah, I know. King's Landing. King's Landing. King's Landing. Lansdowne is a road on my... It is. Uh, I work. So, Susanna has said, Croatia because of the slower pace of life oh. and the crystal clear warm sea. Yes, very true. It's on the uh, Aegean, I believe. It is. The Aegean, yeah. So that'd be uh, between between Greece and that. Yep. Yeah. Good bit of history, actually, on Croatia. Yeah, go on. So obviously you've got your... You've got, bizarrely, so between Greece and and sort of Eastern Europe, it yep. kind of like breaks, breaks the mould. Um... You got your Eastern European influence, your yep. ex-Soviet bloc where it used to be part of Yugoslavia, mm-hmm. um, but also it's just like so much history, and it managed to survive quite a lot of the, you know, the USSR and the Soviet. Yeah, how? Let's be honest. Sort of breaking it down. Yeah, so I'm. At, it's one of the places I really love to go. Looks beautiful. A lot of, a lot of waterfalls, a lot of little uh, beautiful seas. Apparently, it's really nice for um, sort of weekend getaways as well. The Brovnik. Yeah. And that. City breaks. City breaks. Because yeah. there's lots of cities by the sea. It's great for city you know breaks. You know what makes what I think of when I think of Croatia? Yeah, go on. It's like halfway between like again, never been there. But Israel. Mm-hmm. So it's because it's got that it's such an old place. It's got such an amazing history. Mm-hmm. But then also like your, your Greece and your and almost like your Eastern Europe, because it's got that history as well. That's got that contemporary history. Yeah. But then it's just the beautiful nature of, of, of and again. Like Susanna said, the slow pace of things. Yeah. Quite common in Eastern Europe. But yeah. Who's next? Who's next? Fantastic. So next one up is uh, Jemima. Jemima, thank you very much. Thank you, Jemima, for getting stuck in. She said Denmark. Denmark. So she hasn't gone into much more detail than that. She I know, said she'd written Denmark. Oh. Okay. What do I know about Denmark? Bacon. Yeah. Mm. Um, I had a mate, Mikey, from school. And he taught me very little Danish, but a very good friend. Saxon mi sut, Saxon mi vant les summer. <laughs> Apparently it's a Danish song okay. about summer. I couldn't translate it for you. No, please, please don't. In fact, Imagine maybe do. Les summer probably means the summer. Okay. Um, but no, very, very nice people, mm-hmm. I believe. In uh, fact, I, I'm sorry, I, I did ask her why did she pick Denmark? And she said, cinnamon buns. I like cinnamon rolls. Cinnamon rolls. 
Um, which Some I think is, is, yeah. is a, fair, a fair point. Um, Isn't a Danish a thing? Maybe that's maybe that's what she's talking about, a Danish yeah. roll. Danish roll, like a pastry. Like a pastry. She's probably like insulted the nation of Denmark by calling it a cinnamon roll. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Who's next? You mean a Danish? <laughs> that <laughs> is probably terrible. insulted. Yeah, you've insulted everybody now. Even more so. Okay. Um, Who's next? Who's next? Next one is Duncan, friend of the podcast. Cheers, Dunk. Um, I do also need to say thank you to Duncan for the uh, biltong. The, the biltong which you haven't eaten yet. I have. It's open. I've just put it back in the kitchen. Where was my bit? You've had your bit. We were supposed to be doing a review. We for were this. supposed to be doing a review. Right. Sorry, Duncan. Um, we we did eat some earlier. And when I say we, I mean the royal we. I. Yeah. Um, I have had limpopo biltong before. You've had though. limpopo before. Yeah. Think very highly of it. Yeah. Very nice. Thank very you, Duncan. Flavorsome. Bit um, tough for my liking, but very nice. That was that was uh, that was a nice nice mm. biltong. Um, thank you very much for that. You spent your own hard earned cash for that um, and donated it to the podcast. <laughs> Not Rona. Um, and thank you very much. That was it was it went down incredibly well. It's very funny, Duncan. Thank you, Duncan. Um, Duncan says Pakistan. Interesting. Okay, I'll I'll explain why. Okay. He yeah. said incredible people. Yeah. Food. Uh, yeah, obviously. And natural beauty. He has gone on to explain mm. that it's a very misunderstood country. Okay. Um, and has potentially got a lot more to offer than what it is potentially advertised. So what is your initial thoughts when you think Pakistan? <sighs> it's a tough one, to be honest. Um, I'm going to be... I'll be really honest with you. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's where it borders Afghanistan, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. That is what first comes to, to mind when I think of Pakistan. Mm. Um I obviously think of the food. I'm going to be honest, food, because just the spices from that region oh, of the, the world. Oh, the influence that it's had oh, on British culture. Oh, yeah. My God. oh yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the influence that it's had, you know, going back many, many years um, is I incredible. Would, my initial thoughts is where Duncan's gone on this. It's natural beauty. Oh, Mountains. Roger. Obviously, it's oh. like the southern tip of the Himalayas. And then obviously you've got the on the western border, you've got all of the the mountain area that mm-hmm. comes into the northern tip of Afghanistan and yeah. that which is I mean if you speak to anyone that's been there yeah they'll tell you it's just it surprises them how beautiful it is sort of thing yeah, it is yeah. just the adventurous dream I suppose gotcha. if it wasn't for all the Mujahideen and Al Qaeda yeah the know. fact that you might get beheaded in that yeah, region, in that I'm region, talk- not the whole of Pakistan. Yeah. This is the problem, isn't it? Oh no, I'm yeah. talking about Afghanistan. When I oh, say you, this, oh, okay, apologies. Pakistan, okay. yeah, it does have that. But um, who is it who did a uh, walk? I want to say uh, some Tory pos- politician, and uh, he did like some some walk from China to Afghanistan, right. and he like or Iran or something. He did like a border walk. Okay, but he speaks Arabic and. Punjab and okay. Uh, what's the other language? I'm not really sure. I should really know Pashto or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he sort of would literally just walk along the borders. I mean, it was really interesting. Actually, I read mm. the book and he said it was just like the most hospitable place because everyone would be welcoming you into their village, into their home to yeah. feed you and that. Yeah, I can imagine that it's actually a very nice, very nice country to to visit, as, especially like a lone, a lone walker. Maybe yeah, it, I'm sure. Like the the idea of it being quite scary is more than it actually is. I'm sure it's actually yeah. a very hospitable place, and the the people are very lovely. And this is what I think he's getting at: is the fact of 
misunderstood. It's a very misunderstood country, and I bet it has so much to offer. I mean, historically, it has so much to offer. Um, and the ties between Pakistan and the British Empire have just been incredible. And I think, you know, there is clearly a lot of history to that country as well that is quite to- closely tied to us. So, yeah, it's a very complicated history. But oh, I gotcha. think at the end of the day, we've, we've been reliant on one another in, in more than. God, it's so many times in history, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, it's fair to say. Yeah, thanks, Dunk, for for that one. Good, um, yeah, good, good answer. It is a good answer. One. It is a good answer. I do proper, appreciate that one. Proper off the, uh, off what I'd expect. Yeah. Yeah, nicely Pretty done, cool. mate. And thanks again for the build on. Fantastic. Yeah, lovely. Um, who's next? Next one is Jess. Jess, hello. Hello, Jess. Um, Jess has said Australia. Aussie. Yeah. Aussie. So she said because koalas. And tiny penguins. Yes. So what we've got there, we've got chlamydia, chlamydia-born creatures. Yeah. And um, <laughs> penguins that, you know, really don't suit Australia. a very hot climate. They don't really suit a hole in the ozone layer, no, do they? No. You know what I think of when I think Australia? Hole in the ozone layer? Uh, no, no. I'm not that green-fingered. I think wine. Oh, Aussie wine. Aussie wine. Aussie wine. Which, uh, was it... Ah, was it Duncan who suggested the it wine? It was Duncan who suggested Duncan the wine. coming through this week. So he yeah, is. I'm speaking to uh, a, a a friend of mine who who is, a, funnily enough, not only owns her own wine shop, yep. but is also Australian and also okay. a connoisseur in Australian wine. So uh, Duncan, thankfully, is, has uh, recommended a Barossa. He has. Um, from, I want to say, New South Wales, maybe? I'm just trying to find his message to me at the moment. But I know, I know it's a Shiraz, which I'm a big fan of. And uh, funnily enough, my uh, uh, my friend who's a wine connoisseur, she, she's an expert in it. But she also knows the, uh, the owner of the vineyard. Yeah, I'm sure she in does. In person, yeah. I'm she, sure she she's does. actually... A, uh, a friend of the person who owns the vineyard, so I need to get chatting with her and see if we can get her. A- yeah, so Duncan, Duncan suggested oh, a uh, an, an Amon Ra from the Glatzer family it, yeah. winemakers, um, which is, uh, according to Duncan, referred to as the king of South Australian Barossa Valleys. Um, now, Duncan, I'm sure he'll he'll be find me explaining this. Uh, when he was at university, he was on the wine tasting society. Oh, good man. Um, he's a man of class. Um, so basically when Duncan tells you to try wine you should probably try the wine Mm. Um, and the fact that obviously you used to work in a wine shop and you are very close family friends with uh, a lady who owns she owns a wine shop I think Duncan here's one straight back at you Yeah, I would recommend a bottle of Black Tears I'll leave it at that. Do your own Ooh, research. Duncan, do your own research there. Black yeah. tears. Bottle of black tears. But, yeah. Thank um, you, Jess. But that Jess, thank Australia. you very much. Yeah. Oz, chlamydia creatures and... We and love Oz. Cute penguins that don't belong. Okay. Next one is uh, Katie. Katie. She has said... Um, I'm not even going to pronounce. try and pronounce the city name, um, but uh, we'll go Madeira. Okay, yeah, you got it right. Yeah, Madeira. Madeira. No, no, I've got Madeira right. It's, she put a city in front of that. Fun, fun, shall? Let's have a look. How do you say that, huh? Ooh. Is, fun, is it, is it uncle with an F? 
Fun call. <laughs> I'm joking. We've completely hashed that. However, Madeira. Madeira. Um, she stated, it's a beautiful island and the farmer's market was incredible. They had fruit I didn't even know existed. Uh, but it also has the, one of the most dangerous runways in the entire world, allegedly. Um, and half of it is actually on stilts in the water. That sounds brilliant. Although I've never heard of it, so I feel like a bit of an idiot. Yeah. Madeira. Isn't it Madeira cake? I wonder if that's where it comes oh, from. Madeira cake. No, I'm pretty sure the cake came after the uh, the country. Ah, you don't think the country came after the cake? No, I mean, Madeira cakes are pretty damn good, but I think they came I would, from Madeira. I, I I'll be honest. I can name a, uh, an island after a cake, to be fair. Cheesecake Island. <laughs> Pen <laughs> Island. Yes, well, even though you're a child and a fan of pens. Okay. Yes. Katie, cake, thank though, you. Um, I'd love to try that airport out one day. Um, perhaps I'll, I'll learn to fly a plane. Yes. I'll stick with the cake. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, the next one is Sophie. Sophie, fantastic option. Greece. Oh, yeah. Greece, because the food is amazing. Not wrong. They have the most beautiful beaches. Yep. And the Greek people are very friendly. I agree with that. I couldn't agree more, yeah. Like food that. on point. Yeah. Beaches, just incredible. In fact, I've got, we've got a funny. So when I was a, a child. Yeah, go on. Parents uh, and family friends would take, we'd go on holiday together. And uh, there was this one one beach in Greece, in Northern Catalonia called okay. uh, Fucky Beach. Oh. And uh, up until I was probably about Isn't... 14, we it was always produ- uh, pronounced as Focky Beach. So as not to come home and talk to my grandparents and say, we went to Focky Beach every day. <laughs> <laughs> and you can only imagine that, you know, that probably wouldn't go down very well in school. No. So it was known as Focky Beach, however, correct pronunciation, Focky Beach. So it is actually pronounced Focky Beach. Focky Beach. Wow. That is incredible. Mm. Um. Not nudist beach, just a just fucky beach. You know, more old fucky beach. That's incredible. I love Greece. Um, I've been to Rhodes. Rhodes is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, been to Thessaloniki. Thessaloniki, yeah. Kefalonia, the place I've been. I would love to go to Kefalonia. I've had such uh, ransom oh, rave reviews from Kefalonia. One of my favourite places in the world, I'd say. Yeah. Top, top five. Again, we're talking about like Susanna said about Croatia and the, the warm sea and the mm. clear sea. Catalonia again, roads, all those oh, sort of islands are just the same. Beautiful. The only thing that's lacking, marine life in the med. Oh. Just a bit of a shame. When I went to Rhodes, the uh, owner of the um, little tiny resort that we were on, he um, started telling us about sharks. And uh, I remember the person I was with at the time was like, "Oh no, no, I don't believe that. I don't believe that." And I went along with it because I knew she didn't like sharks. And um, it was only when we went back one night that he was like, oh, no, 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 we've actually seen like big, like six foot long sharks come up to the shore because where we were, the beach we were, it dropped literally. So you would go, you'd walk out shallow, shallow, maybe, maybe five, six foot deep, you know, you could paddle in and then Mm. suddenly you were like, suddenly you were about 15, 20 and then it would just go 30, 40, 50 and just really drop straight off. Um, So because of that, it meant that the sharks would come really close because close they were happy shore. to come in close to the shore. Yeah. Um, so I don't mind sharks. I've, I've, I've scuba dived with sharks. That's something I would love to do. That's yeah. definitely on my bucket list. Yeah, it was pretty special. Yeah, I bet it was. And then manta rays as well. Oh, God. Yeah. We need to um, we need to get your sister on this, really. She would be a good guest. She would be a very good guest. B. 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 Yeah, B would be an incredible yeah. guest. Just all the she, things she's seen. 
the she would have if if we we should ask her this question actually what we should have done really i think i can tell her answer, answer. <laughs> i don't know i'd, I'd probably say indo Indonesia yeah. oh, or yeah. Papua. Uh, and the stories you can tell if there's anybody that's listening that's interested in anything marine life um we, she's a writing nerd we can organize b to come on the podcast and she will blow your marine socks off mm. um she is incredibly talented um and what she doesn't know about marine life probably isn't worth knowing um and she an works yeah and she worked really heavily with manta ray charities um and is having a great time and just an expert at diving and everything just taught me to dive yeah mm. oh, i'm glad i didn't get the chance to to for her to teach me to dive i'd love mm. that um but yeah we'll have to get on her as a guest because yeah she's incredible. we should think more about guests but that's that'll be for next episode, yeah if anybody fancies coming on the podcast send us a message um we are in a position where we're open for applications you work on an interesting line of work or uh, yeah some interesting stories travel mm. stories anything which might lead into our next segment actually but okay not we'll quite the last person okay last one is kate oh kate yes so kate has come thank in thank you very much kate yeah thank you kate um she has said um she's picked a city oh okay um but we'll go with so she's gone germany okay she's picked berlin deutschland yes and she's been berliner she has specifically picked berlin in the winter Oh, yes. Uh, and the reason for that, she's written, is bratwurst and chocolate everywhere. Yeah. 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 So, what can I tell you about Berlin? Yeah, because awesome. I've not been. So, unfortunately, I went on a school trip when I was like 17. This is really showing how little places I've been to, mm. which is a shame because I thought I'd actually been quite a few places. Anyway, sorry, you know about Berlin. Berlin's pretty special. Obviously, contemporary history. Wow. Probably the absolute epicenter of the last hundred years now. Without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Just, my goodness, just so much change. So if you were to dig down in Berlin, you'd come across some some cool shit. Oh, uh, yeah, you really, Literally, really would. Yeah, especially certain car parks and... <laughs> <laughs> But no, um, just just amazing monuments and um, just the rebuild. The fact mm. that you know you can go to one half of the city and it look like you're in the Soviet bloc. Obviously, mm. it's just, and then the other half is absolute like financial district mm. and modernized, and it's lost a lot of its culture. Unfortunately, even though both sides lost a lot of culture. That's the um, thing. It was both sides. Yeah, and it, they both did it in different ways in terms of little loss of heritage. But mm. yeah, it, it's just an incredible city. I would, I'd, I'd love to go back and get on the piss though. <laughs> it's certainly one of those cities where you could, uh, yeah, find some some good beer gardens and and get on it. You could. I think there's a lot of places that are definitely on the list um, to go. Um, yeah. Thank you, Kate. That is definitely going to be added to the list, yes. I think. Um, yeah. And I, the Endless Chocolate is a good addition. Yeah. Berlin certainly is up there. Oh, my, yeah. Uh, one time. of my favourite cities ever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Kate. But that does bring us into our our next... Well, before that, before that. Oh, okay. Josh, favourite place, why? Um, I'm going to be honest. My favourite country is Canada. Yeah, fair enough. Um... Canada's a fucking massive country. Mm. Very uh, diverse. Yeah. So, I flew to Toronto. Mm. Eastern Canada, yeah. 
Um, spent a, a lot of time in and around there. So I think I went for three weeks, I think. Um, I went south, down to the American border, down to Niagara Falls. Niagara. Um, and then I came back north, went back through Toronto to Scarborough, see family. Mm. And then from, or Scarborough. 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 Yeah. From Scarborough, I then went north into Algonquin National Park, which is incredible. Um, and really, that's where I fell in love with Canada. Mm. Um, the wide open spaces, the lack of human touch mm, big skies huge skies big straight skies. roads massive pine forests mm. and silence mm. actual and physical silence like we went down to a strip just randomly we stopped on one of the routes towards Algonquin well we were, we were in Algonquin Park and we were, we were continuing the journey we were going big long straight road little pull in went in the little pull in there was one vehicle in there fine went down a little path came down onto this little creek Big steep sides, pine trees everywhere, big, mm. huge rocks, just water running over it. And we all just stopped because I think, A, just the magnitude of these trees and the, the fact you were in this kind of ravine and the fact that it was silent and all you could hear was just the trickle of water and the, the slight move of the trees. And I think it just took us all by surprise. Mm. That it was like, we have driven on a huge, you know, tarmac road that leads in a big straight line that just cut through the forest and then you can step 100 meters down and suddenly you're in nothing yeah and completely in the realm of nature and it i was love incredible. the idea of that yeah and it was incredible so for me that that without a doubt canada wins every single time mm. um just for that sheer wilderness epicness. and and just epicness agreed and i yeah. haven't done western canada whereas you have done western canada yeah um which truly is truly in love with it well, yeah I'm which is my gonna, dream yeah but anyway move that's, out to that's your canada dream in a few years yeah that's your dream uh, that's all to come am i explain that in a future podcast i think yeah i think that'd be really cool actually because you've got you've got a lot of plans mm. and a lot of wheels that you're trying to set in motion and that's really exciting yeah yeah it's all to come what is your favorite country let's quickly finish on that before <sighs> we go on to the next one so i mean You've been a lot of places. Oh, I have, yeah. And I think for oh god, so many so many places for so many different reasons. Yeah. But I think my true love is gotta be Ukraine. I keep going back there. You do keep going back. Yeah, I've got so many like friends and friends out there and mm. just, just falling in love with the people out there. Yeah. Such nice, welcoming people. Yeah. Um volunteer out there and it's just like a second home sort of thing I can go out there and, and go around the village and mm. everyone says hello everyone sort of knows what, you, what you're about and welcoming you in and you still get that villagey vibe don't you oh absolutely it's it's like I, I can guarantee nothing has changed apart from yeah. mobility yeah in probably a hundred years yeah it's just if not longer just there's something beautiful in that yeah so untouched isn't it it is yeah but I mean it's quite behind the Western world, though. It is, yeah, but for the, <laughs> for good reasons and bad. Like, oh, that has its perks. It does have its perks. People have just got so much time for you, yeah. just so patient, mm. and it doesn't matter whether you speak. They speak no English, or you speak no Russian mm. or Ukrainian sort of thing. It's just they're just happy to, you know, welcome you into their home, yeah. offer you a vodka, 
driving or not, willing or not, they'll force it down you. <laughs> and then a second and a third, probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've got a lot of time for yeah. Ukrainian people. That is good. And their hardships. Yeah, lovely people. Mm. Okay, I guess I guess we better come to our final topic. What is we this? Shall. Fifth topic. We are. We're probably we're, getting on an hour now. We are over an hour. We are over an hour. Wow. And it's felt good. Yeah, it's felt good. If you're still tuned in chat at shit. an hour, <laughs> wow, you are a true listener. Yes. And thank you. Thank I you guess. for everybody that's got involved in the Q&A. We'll, we'll have to come up with another question for next week, because I've quite we enjoyed will. this Q&A. Yeah. Guys. Well, maybe. Maybe. How about we do our standard, our traditional Q&A? You ask yeah, us a that's a good idea. Yeah. Q&As next week. Get your questions at the ready. Next week's Q&A is going to be you guys asking us questions. And if we can answer them, we'll answer them. Yeah. To the best of my simple man knowledge. To the best of simple man science over here. Yeah. Um, or BDSM. Whatever BDSM. You, whatever you... No BDSM questions, please. Well, maybe, maybe just the one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we go to our final We topic? should go to the final okay. final topic. Just okay. to round us off, because I don't want to go too far over an hour, because I feel like it hits 60 minutes and people go, this is like fucking God. torture Ooh. for somebody. Torture. Yeah. Go on. make it end. This is, uh, this okay. is very much you. A is going to lead this. Go on. Okay. So, this is something that I've been thinking about. And I think Jay's been thinking the same. But I know for about past four years, first thought of it came to my mind about four or five years ago. And it mm-hmm. was the Mongol Rally. Oh, okay. Now, if people don't know about the Mongol Rally, it is a journey, a rally for charity from Prague in Czech in boy the Czechia now I believe it they're known yes. as Czechia former Czech Republic um, all the way across to Mongolia okay however it doesn't stop in Mongolia officially it stops in Mongolia because it's called Mongo Rally but yep. it finishes in north just north of Mongolia in Russia right in a place called Ula, Ulan Ude I believe Ulan Ude yeah it's okay. like only just north of Mongolia however you you can choose your route pretty much. However, it's run by a company called Adventurists mm-hmm. and they generally would like say, hey, stick to this route. This is where you're going to experience the most. Probably the safest. I wouldn't say it is, you know. Oh. Because the the fastest, shortest route is through pretty much directly across Russia. And it's about, I think when I looked at it, it's about five and a half thousand miles. Oh dear. And that's the most direct route. If you were to put in Prague to Ulanude, it's like 5,300 miles or something. And that would be straight there. That's, if you look at it on a map, it's like Poland, Belarus, Russia, 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 Russia. Yeah, like Russia probably for half of it. <laughs> well, it's for like 90% of it, to be fair. Bloody hell. But I can't imagine you'd come across more than just Russia. I know it's a big expanse and yeah different culture across russia but it's a lot of russia and it's a lot of forest a lot of mud track mm. and pine forest and that mm. so adventurists would recommend however mm-hmm. you go south you do i want to say slovakia yeah from czechia you do slovakia and then down towards sort of that take you through maybe I think of something here. Maybe Bulgaria. I kind of think if that skirts it. Okay. 
and then through the top of uh, Turkey, from Turkey through to Iran. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, this is testing my this is testing my geography now. Turkey, this Iran. This geography skills. Uzbekistan. Okay, should I get a world map up? Oh, don't embarrass me. Uzbek- okay, okay, do it, do it. Yeah. Let's, okay, let's no, no, go me. on, keep going, keep going, and I'll and I'll question okay. it. Iran, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan. Yeah. Re-enter into Russia. Let's have a look. How how have I done? So if we were to go to Prague, go to Czechia. So we've gone to Slovakia. Uh, so I've essentially missed Hungary. Yeah. Possibly Romania, possibly Bulgaria. You need to change the style. What do you need? Don't worry. Okay, continue. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so, so you've done Slovakia. Yeah, Slovakia done. Hungary would almost definitely be next. Yeah. Uh, Into Romania. Romania. Yeah, I'd say Moldova. So. No, that's going too far east. They, they, they say to go. Oh, by. so you should just come up. So you're literally just skirting the border of Romania and come into Ukraine here. No, no, no. You're going, you're going south towards Bulgaria. Oh, so you're, oh yeah, because you're coming across northern Turkey. Turkey, aren't you? Bulgaria through in, past Istanbul and. Is it Ankara? Ankara, yeah, Turkey. Up and to Georgia? Negative. You're going slightly down south. Oh, into Turkmenistan? No, no, no. Keep going south, you'll find Iran. There we go. So you're going through, probably past Tehran. Tehran. And then north into... Is that Turkmenistan? That's Turkmenistan. Oh, yeah. I missed Turkmenistan. That's all right, you're doing good. Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, uh, and then back up into Russia, I would say. And then mm. it, you hit Mongolia. Where you go to Ulamata? Go zoom in on uh, there. Yeah, what's that? Ulamata. Ulamata, that's the one. That's close. Wow, I mean, that's. And then you go slightly north to Ulanude, which is just north of. So to put that into perspective, for everybody, uh, if you started, for example, in London and you drove without traffic, the most direct route via the M1 apparently it's via the M1 <laughs> to start with it would take you 111 hours with five and a half thousand miles yeah. and that is a direct route now like you said from here that'd be through home Belgium Germany Poland Belarus, Belarus into Russia. Russia and then follow Russia literally you all the way really through come out of Russia. until you get to the northwestern uh, border of Mongolia and yeah. then you would drive probably mountainous roads at, very mountainous yeah. around the Himalayas straight into Ulaanbaatar yeah however if you probably went the route <laughs> <laughs> they suggested if you went the route they suggested you're probably looking at about it's very different seven or yeah. eight thousand so miles I looked at quite a few different um, sort of landmarks along the way of mm. the, the route they suggest, and it's so vastly different. There's mountains, there's mm. lakes, um, there's all the all the steppe, sort of the, the former Soviet Soviet bloc where you see well, the yeah Georgia, steppe. Azerbaijan around there. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting place, Uzbekistan, especially if you're hugging the Caspian. Yeah, it's all just like sort of very flat, open land, yeah. bizarrely desert, but also quite cold yeah yeah open open plains so briefly explain the rules of oh, okay yeah just briefly got ahead of myself but um 
so the rules are they have the adventurers have set certain rules for the Mongol Rally. Mm-hmm. First one being your vehicle. Yep. Uh, I believe it's got to be less than a 1.2 litre. Okay. It's got to be over 10 years old. Has to be over 10 years old, yeah. And it's got to be less than a grand, I want to say. Did I say that right? I don't know. Are you sure, that's a, ru- that are you sure that's a rule? Right. Maybe. I think that was originally a rule. Yeah, I think it changed might it or not. Um, but yeah, the 1.2 litre thing is the real limiter. Oh, God, yeah. Especially, so you imagine when you buy a fairly new car, you go mm. to the showroom, you think about buying a new car. You don't. You probably don't want to be looking at a couple of years old, maybe something about 10,000 miles on the, on the clock. You're talking about buying a minimum of a 10-year-old vehicle and driving it straight off. You can do some mods to it, yep. but straight off, you are going to drive it minimum 6,000 miles. Yeah. If not longer. I know there's certain teams that do like 12,000 miles, which is just ridiculous. That is ridiculous. On like tracks that are not... Built for vehicles. Supposed to be roads. No. They are sand, get bogged down. For horses, camels, donkeys, people to walk on, not for vehicles. Especially not for a 1.2 litre... 10 year old car yes that are likely your sort of Nissan Micra yep Fiat Printos Citroen Saxos yeah not your typical Land Rover Defender yeah you can't buy a Defender or a Jeep or something your Ford 150 or Raptor whatever you get yeah Ranger Uh, but no instead it'd be a (laughs) smart car or a Mini or a Beetle yeah yeah really it's almost like a challenge it's the challenge really is to not only get a car that survives, but survive the car from fucking breaking down and driving you around the bend, I imagine. Yeah, and you've also, you know, you've got to pick a car that you can mod, that you can build to the specs that are going to survive. You know, you need to completely armor the underside of the vehicle. You need to probably raise it. Big you, need, you probably need to extend the fuel tank. Steel rims. You need to make sure that it runs on 80 octane fuel, which is what we talked about earlier, mm. because UK fuel... The lowest petrol I think they sell is 95 now. 95 octane. Yeah. 80 is like if you spat in it, pissed in it and chucked a bit of dirt in it. And a bit of water. Yeah. Try to water it down. That's yeah. when you get into like 80 octane. And that's what you find in most of the Eastern Bloc, basically. Um, so that's going to be a huge challenge. Yeah, but we are looking. Mm. And uh, my friend JK is very eager. Ooh. I'm the, most, the thing I'm most worried about, right? It's not the mechanics of it. Mm. I feel like you're quite mechanically minded. You can get around the problems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if we need to source parts, we can do that. Yeah, we could easily. My limited Russian. Yeah. Um, and my most... It's going to... My most sort of like biggest concern is going to be sleep and the ability to sleep mm. and be comfortable because these cars... <laughs> We're looking at doing it with four people. I know, it's not good. Three people minimum, but probably four good. people. All four of us driving at some point or another. Yeah. Taking turns. Yeah. Trying to get sleep in between that. Yeah. And experience the drive sort of thing. It's going to be tough. It would be real tough. Yeah. But no, that's what we're looking at. 
Yeah, and that's something that we'll have to keep you posted with because it's something that we'll think about. It's fully booked up for next year, isn't it? Yeah, so it won't be next year, unfortunately. So if it was going to be any time, it would be 2023. Yeah, on the list now. On the list to do and on the list to keep an eye out for a vehicle that we can trash, strip out and make Mongol Rally mm. ready. Yes, I am Mongol Rally ready. You don't look Mongol Rally ready right now. <laughs> no, I'm half cut right now, to be fair. The whiskey's gone straight to my head. Right, all. If you have stayed tuned for an hour and 15 minutes, we what love you. done to you, guys? What have we done to you? But thank oh. you so much. Thank you so much to everybody that has got stuck in um, on the Instagram. Uh, and, Q&A. Yeah, and taking, yeah. Taking, uh, taking part in the Q&A. That is incredible. And thank you so much for that. We Duncan, definitely... Duncan, especially you, mate. Yeah, Duncan, thanks Never much. Never met you. Sound like a terrific guy. Good, uh, good sense of wine. And uh, cheers to the world tongue as well. Yeah, we Everyone enjoyed else, that. Though, thank you very much for your uh, input. Yeah, thank you all. Um, get ready for next week's episode. Episode four. Good Lord. We need to start thinking about what we're going to do. Yeah. Because we've spoke, spoken a lot. Good but great. let us know if you want Simple Man Science to come back because that is a new segment that we enjoyed. BDSM. Let's call it BDSM. BDSM. It's not BDSM. It's Simple Man Science. Sorry, sorry. Just push um, it too hard. Thank you so much. Just fucking push it too hard. Yeah, of course you are. BDSM. Hilarious. Right. Fuck yeah. off. Let's go. Thank point. you so much, everybody. Well done, everyone. Well done, You've everybody. Done so well to listen to this. You point. are wonderful. I was going to do a. Um, Goodbye all. Goodbye. Thank you again. Have a nice week. <laughs> <laughs>